0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. This morning, I want you to write down this title, Align to Move Forward. Because in this process of clarifying the vision and where we're going as a church, we have to understand exactly what it is that you and I are called to. So it's very important that we clarify. And then we have to create movement along that clarification. So in other words we say, okay, you're saying this and I'm understanding this, but how I apply this? How do we actually move forward with this? And then after we're able to understand how we move forward together with what's been clarified, then we all can align to that and link arms and hearts and we can all say, okay, I get it, I get where we're going. And and, and now, now now I can link arms and hearts and let's get together in unity and let's make this thing happen. And then it has to just be our focus and we say, okay God, we're just gonna laser like focus on what you have called us to do. What what you desire for us to do, where we can clearly see in scripture what he's called us to do. And in the uh, elements video this past week, I talked about kind of demystifying some language that we use in church sometimes, because often in church, we can be very vague in Christian circles. We can be very broad with some of our terminology and we can be saying a lot of good things. But when we really reel back and go, what was actually said? in that moment. You know, what was actually communicated because we hear things in church like, oh, we just need to grow and seek the face of God and, 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 and learn to depend on him. And we need to learn to just, you know, seek after him with all of our heart. And we hear that type of language and we go, what does that really mean at the end of the day? How do I apply that in my life? What does that look like? How do I step in that direction? And how do I know that I'm stepping in that direction? Same thing can happen with the vision of a church when people use very broad terms, even terms that sound good. We can use language like, we're called to love God and love people and serve the world. And we're called to make disciples. And everyone goes, yeah. uh, How do we do that? And we go, yeah, disciples. What is a disciple? And I think that we need to kind of go away from more of the broad terms today and help bring further clarity To exactly what it is that we've been sharing and talking about from the Word of God over these past few weeks. And I believe that God wants us to understand His Word. He didn't give us His Word so we could all just sit around and be confused until Jesus comes back. He wants you and me to understand His Word. And so I believe that He has laid out pretty clear in His Word for you and for me exactly what that looks like. And so we're going to drill that down today and we're going to talk a little bit about how we can further align so we can move forward together in what God has called us to do. And that's another word, call. You hear that a lot, call. Talk about Dave and Alyssa being called. Talk about pastors being called. Talk about each of us being called. We, we've talked about being called to a local church. Where has God called you? That we need to grow and be planted where God has called us. What does that even mean? Sometimes that can be even a broad word. Well, here's what calling is. Calling is a drawing by God. He is drawing you to something that he's wanting to say, this is what I have for you. Sometimes God will use his Holy Spirit to draw us. Sometimes God will use other people that they'll speak a word or something to us or something will encourage us or or inspire us, and we will feel a drawing or a calling towards something. But then there's those times that Jesus himself has spoken and there's no room for argument. And there's no room for, I don't know if this is God or not. No, when he speaks, it's almost like, no, that's pretty clear cut that that's exactly what he's talking about. And we see that in scripture when Jesus speaks. A lot of times in the Bible, there's different things that are spoken that may be geared towards individuals. Like you may read an Old Testament scripture that you're like, okay, I can gain a principle from what's being said here. but I can't really take that directly and apply it to my life, what that person said to that person. But that's not true with the words of Jesus. When you read the words of Jesus, he didn't... Those aren't just words that were spoken 2,000 years ago to an individual. No, those words have pierced the, the, the boundary, if you will, of time. And those words are still alive and they're still speaking to you and me today. So when Jesus calls us with his words, there's no room for argument. There's no room for going, is this God? I don't know. You know, I got to pray about, it. I got to no, know if Jesus spoke, boom, that's it. And he said it. If, and he said, you're called to do this. Then there's no room for argument. There's no room for questioning. It is what he has said. It's what he declared. It's what he's spoken. And he's still actively speaking it to you and me today. So for us to move forward as a church, we've got to clarify what we're called to do. What has Jesus spoken and what is he currently speaking? And after we clearly understand that based on scripture, what we're called to do, then we're going to create that movement together and that aligning together. And these are the things that we've clarified that Jesus has spoken to us as a local congregation, as a local church body through through his written and his spoken word. The first thing is that Jesus has called us to make disciples. Jesus has called us and is actively calling us to make disciples. That's where we see in Matthew 28 and 19. We see where he says, therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He tells us to go into all the world and to make disciples disciples. So Word of Grace is called to grow and to make disciples. We're called to individually grow as disciples. Amen? Amen. You see, it's not this thing where I have reached this apex of discipleship and all of a sudden I don't need to grow anymore. If we get there, then we have arrived at a place of pride and haughtiness in our heart and in our walk with God. We need to always remain teachable to the things of God because you and I have not arrived. When we say we need to grow as disciples, it's not about a destination, it's about a journey. It's about us understanding who we're called to be and what we're called to do. And we go, okay, I am constantly growing as a disciple. And I grew up in church my whole life and I've seen over and over again this play out to where people will come to church And they act like that it's the job of the church to somehow impress them with something that they've never heard before. Because if I haven't uh, heard it before, then I'm growing. But if I've heard it before, then I already know that. And you know what? I could probably read that for myself. And we allow familiarity of scripture. We allow familiarity of text and things like that to allow pride to creep into our heart. And it stunts our growth. Because we become very prideful in knowledge, we become very prideful in experience. I've already heard that, I've already experienced that. And therefore, we begin to classify ourselves as better than other believers. And we think, oh, I don't need that. Just like, for, for instance, John 3.16 is a very familiar passage of scripture that we could all probably quote by heart. Oh, all pastors preaching on John 3.16, oh boy, I should have stayed home today and read my Bible Because I've heard that before. And I used to feel this pressure when I first started in ministry to always come up with something new that nobody had ever heard before. And so I would read like in Chronicles or one of those books that when you're in your daily Bible reading plan, you skip. You know, I would read in those and try to uncover some great mystery that no one had ever heard before. And I can't wait to tell the church so they'll be like, wow, look at our pastor. He's so smart. Wow, look at our pastor. He is such a Bible scholar. He pulled this story out of Kings and and, and did this great exegesis on it. And then he began to explain this in such a way that I've never heard that before. My, mind!" And I used to feel that pressure to always do that week week in and week out as if somehow I was searching for some type of affirmation or as if somehow I was searching for my significance or my worth as a minister of the gospel to always succumb to this pressure to impress people with the word of God as if that was my job. When I got convicted about that and realized it's not my job To impress people who come to church with their arms folded. But yet it's my job to articulate the very words of God and the gospel with what he puts on my heart. That he says is for this local body and this congregation. That's what my job is called to be faithful to that. Not to seek some type of reward for myself for impressing someone. And when we realize... That it's not our job to come to church or to open the Word of God or to approach a study with looking for something that that, that I've heard that before and, 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 and I'm looking for something else that I haven't heard already. Like it's God's job to impress you or I. Like it's God's job to say, oh, let me show you something brand new. No, when I get that type of attitude, then I am no longer able to grow and I'm allowing pride to take the throne of my heart. I'm allowing pride to creep in, and it's stunting my growth as a believer. It's stunting my effectiveness as a Christian. (coughs) It's not our job to look to God to impress us with things we've never heard before. It's our job to understand who He is and grow in who He is and grow in loving Him. Because we know that when we love Him, the fruit of that is loving people. And we know that the fruit of loving people is serving God. And we know that the fruit of serving is pointing people to loving him. And we know that the fruit of loving him is loving people. Are you kind of getting how this works? That's the fruit of this deal. And I go, God, I just want to know you more and love you more. And I'm not going to put you in a position where I'm treating you like I'm somehow bored with you. You wouldn't do that to your spouse, person that you have the closest, most intimate relationship with. You know what? I just know everything about you. And frankly, I'm kind of bored with you. You know, you still look the same, you know, still talk the same. You still eat the same kind of food when we go out to eat. And frankly, I'm just bored with you. We would never do that to our spouse because we would get jacked up. But yet we do it with God. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's a prideful attitude. You and I need to maintain what's called a teachable spirit, a teachable heart. And you know how to do that? I'm going to make it real simple for you. How to maintain a teachable heart is always approach His Word expecting. Always come to church expecting. Always be expecting God to work in your heart and in your mind and in your life with whatever is shared, regardless of how relevant it may be to your life at the time. I had people that were single people that were coming up to me during our marriage series saying, That was great. And it's scary because you go, I don't want to isolate anyone when I'm teaching the Word of God. But yet the Holy Spirit can move beyond my ability. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit can move beyond your ability. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, the leader, the guider, the one that's leading and guiding you into all truth. So He can take something that you heard 100,000 times before and He can make it alive to you in that moment if you maintain a teachable heart. And you don't allow pride to rule. So it's important that as disciples, we understand that discipleship is a journey, that it's not a destination, that it's not about racking up points and stars with God to where we begin to outclass other Christians. And we're a better Christian because of our experience, our knowledge. That's not how this works. That's not how God views you or me. God looks at us all the same. He loves all of us the same as his kids. And he wants us all to grow right where we're at. And guess what? His word and his spirit are the very things. That can help us to grow right where we're at. But we have to maintain a teachable heart. That's how we're going to grow as disciples. And that's how we're going to grow other disciples as well as a church as we focus on them. So we've clarified that Jesus has called us to make disciples. The second thing that we've clarified throughout this series is that a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. That's where Jesus said in John 13 and 35 that by this all men are gonna know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This is going to be the calling card. This is how people are going to be aware. So when we say we're called to make disciples, when we say that discipleship is at the heart and the focus of word of grace, and because we understand Jesus is actively calling us from 2,000 years ago when he spoke those words in Matthew 28, that he's telling us to go into all the world and make disciples, that we have to understand what that means. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus that is constantly growing. In loving God, loving people, and serving the world. So I want to drill that down just a little bit today. Because loving God, loving people, and serving the world, that's good. And it it looks really cool on a red wall. It's a lot of fun. It's easy to memorize and say. But do we really have a clear-cut understanding of what that actually looks like? You know, how do I know when I'm growing in there? How do I kind of gauge if I'm growing in those things? What are those things? that I'm supposed to be growing in. So what the Lord put on my heart share with you all today is to take loving God, loving people, and serving the world and break them down into those three parts and to show you what each of them means. What each of them means that he's revealed to my heart and all of this stuff is all scripturally founded and scripturally based of things that we could be growing in each of these areas as disciples. The first thing, loving God, what does that mean? <coughs> to love God. Well, this is where we recognize that our journey is not about us. This is, where, this is where we begin to understand that it's about Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me. And we begin to understand what we call the gospel. And what the gospel simply is, is us realizing that we're sinful creatures, that apart from Jesus Christ, that we're dead and we are completely cut off from our Creator And we have no hope and we have no salvation that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to God except through him. And we understand our desperate need for him by seeing through how we could never fulfill the law on our own. But Jesus did in every single way and he was perfect. And we see how he was that perfect sacrifice because you and I never could be and we never will be in our own strength. It's Jesus that makes me right. It's Jesus. It's his righteousness. That makes me right in the eyes of God. And when I understand that gospel and I grow in understanding that, I never really arrive where I believe I fully understand that kind of love. It's something I'm always growing in. It's part of my journey. And when I understand that, I'm constantly growing in that through my relationship with him. So that's part of what loving God means. We can understand that how we, we realize we can't save ourselves. And actually that we're deserving of death because of what we did in our rejection of God and in our sin and shaking our fist at Him, but yet we understand that the love of God is so great that He chose us before we ever chose Him. That we understand that God meets us right where we're at, that we don't have to clean ourselves up before we come to God, that He takes us right in the middle of our junk and our mire and our dirt and our pain and our shame. When we begin to get that and understand that, wow, it just completely opens up so much to me and it begins to work on my heart and it begins to work on how I view things, my perspective of things in life. And that's part of growing and loving God. And so a disciple must understand the gospel. A disciple must constantly remind themselves of their need for Jesus. A disciple always needs to remind themselves of their need for Jesus. Because no matter how good you get, no matter how accomplished you get as a Christian, you never stop needing Jesus. Never. You never stop needing Jesus. It's not like one day you arrive and you go, I got this Jesus. no. It doesn't matter how good you get, how squeaky clean your life may appear to others. You never stop needing Jesus. And a disciple constantly needs to remind themselves of that. A disciple that loves God must understand how to have a relationship with God and continue to grow. And I think that's huge. Because a lot of times we say, have a relationship with God, grow in relationship with God. And everybody goes, mm, okay, what does that mean? I guess that means to always pump K-Love on my radio and read my Bible and pray every day and I'll grow, grow, grow. I don't know. Is that what that means to have a relationship with God? Um, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm always supposed to be like, you know, spiritually spaced out. And that means have a relationship with God. And you're like, hey, dude, what's going on? And you're like, oh, man, I'm having a relationship with God. Don't talk to me right now. What does that mean? We can have completely different ideas about relationship with God. And so as disciples and as those that are called to make disciples, we need to help people understand what that looks like. We need to show them and teach them and help them to grow that they can understand that God wants them to understand His Word, that God wants them to have that relationship with Him and what that actually means in a practical sense. Instead of just saying something spiritual that sounds good, that we're supposed to say and we're supposed to do, but yet we never bear fruit because we're intimidated by our own idea of what that even looks like. And to have others to help encourage you and show you the way, that's discipleship. That's others saying, listen, this is how to have a relationship. You want to know the best way to have a relationship with someone is being introduced to him through someone who knows him. I know him. Let me teach you how I know Jesus. Let me help you to grow in your journey. That's being a disciple maker. So disciples who love God need to understand how to have a relationship with him. A disciple must also learn spiritual disciplines. Man, we're disciplined in so many areas in our lives, whether we like it or not. I mean, you're disciplined to go to work at a certain time. We're all definitely disciplined to eat at certain times. We're disciplined to watch certain television shows at certain times. So we have discipline in our lives, whether it's for good or bad. We all have discipline in certain areas. But if you really want to grow and you want to be effective and you want to accomplish more in life, you have to grow in the right discipline. And so a disciple needs to understand, I need to establish and grow in spiritual disciplines. We know that if we want to be physically healthy, that we need to exercise, we need to eat correctly, and we need to set a guard over those types of things. And and, and we eat certain times of the day, and we know that we need to exercise and do certain things. And when we establish those disciplines, we see the fruit and we see the benefit of it. We also need to do the same thing in our walk with God. So part of loving God is understanding spiritual disciplines in our lives that are going to benefit us and that are going to benefit others. That's part of growing as a disciple who loves God. A disciple who loves God also needs to grow in understanding and applying the Word of God. Again, God wants you to understand the Word so you can correctly apply it. So many people hear something or hear it spun in a certain way that it's taken way out of context. And they develop this whole theology that's based off of incorrect interpretation of Scripture. And so Jesus even tells us and warns us against this. And he says, listen, I want you to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. I want you to be able to rightly divide and understand He said, what exactly I'm saying, I don't want you to get caught up in all this junk, because there's going to be people that are going to come and twist the Word of God, that they're going to make it say what they want it to say and twist it for their own benefit, twist it for their own exaltation, twist it for however they can gain from it. And we see that happening all in our world today, how people get burned by twisting the Word of God. We have to make sure that we're understanding it correctly, so we're applying it correctly, so we're not living under a misbelief. So we're not living under this notion that, oh, well, if this worked for somebody else, well, then I want to do it just like them, and and then I'm going to try to, try, try to mimic what they did so I can get what they got. And then we begin to develop these formulas and different things, and we use Scripture to do it, and it's all for selfish gain, and it gets corrupted, and then all of a sudden we're like, no, I thought I understood that. You understood it in part, and you missed the application, and you missed what he was really saying. So it's important. That's what a disciple who loves God does. Make sure that they are growing and understanding the Word of God. And if we correctly understand it, then what can we do? We can correctly apply it. So that's what it means to kind of love God and grow as a disciple who loves God. So what does it mean to love people? Because that's supposed to be a natural ebb and flow of loving God. So what does that mean? Loving people is really where we connect to one another to be invested in. This is the relational phase of discipleship that moves us deeper. This is the part where, we, where, where, where the structure here in our church family begins to promote healthy relationships and that that's vital. This is the part where we're ministered to, but yet we begin to realize that we have something to offer as well. And we understand that it's not just about what we get, but it's about what we give. This is where we really begin to transition from a consumer to a participant as we grow in our love for God. We begin to just naturally Love people and begin to look at ways to give, look at ways to invest, look at ways to grow relationally. And in this growth phase as a disciple, we must understand our need for relationship to sharpen one another. Just as the Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man's countenance sharpen another. This is where a disciple must understand their need for accountability within relationships. Oh man, that's huge. We need accountability. Hello, somebody. We need accountability, whether we lack like it or not. <laughs> we need to be accountable because, man, that helps us grow when we are accountable. A disciple realizes they have something to offer to others, and they transition from a recipient to a contributor. And a disciple learns to care for others in their church family. And when we're lo- growing and loving God as a disciple, we learn to care for one another and be there for one another. We learn that, you know... This is something that's a natural flow. Don't don't look at these things as a checklist of, oh, yeah, I'm doing that one. Not too good at that one. Don't look at it as a checklist as much as something that these should be things that we're growing in because we're growing in our love for God. These are things that are going to be byproducts and fruit of that because it all starts with loving him. As we grow in loving God, we're going to start loving others and caring for others right where they're at right at their point of need, right at their point of hurt, right at their point of, of, of frustration. We're going to love them and accept them right where they're at. And we're going to love them unconditionally because we understand the love of God for us unconditionally because we're growing in the gospel, because we're growing in our understanding of it. And Jesus said, "To Whom much is given, much is required, and you and I have been given much. Amen? Jesus also said that freely you've received, so freely give. And we can know to say that, but until we grow in our love, of God until we grow in our relationship with him and our understanding of the gospel, that's not going to impact my heart. It's just going to be something I know, not something I really do authentically. Oftentimes I'll get caught up doing it, trying to care for other people, because I think that's what Christians are supposed to do, but my heart's motive is not genuine in it. But for my heart's motive to be genuine in it and to be pure, I have to grow in my love for God, because loving people is not something that I'm trying harder to be better at. It's something that's naturally flowing out of me. That's how I'm growing as a disciple. I'm naturally caring for other people. And I'm wanting to love them right where they're at. Also, a disciple who loves people acts on their responsibility to be an investor. They understand the weight of that responsibility to invest. They understand the weight of the words of Christ when he said to go into all the world and make disciples. And as a disciple grows in loving people, we learn how to evaluate and correct based on relationships sharpening us based on the direction of the Holy Spirit, and based on the Word of God kind of chastising us and, 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 and growing us and helping us to grow. I think that's a huge skill that a lot of people need to grow in, and uh, uh, all of us, myself included, as I think about evaluation. Can we really be honest with ourselves and evaluate ourselves, where we're at in our walk with the Lord? Can we really evaluate our heart and our motives? And really be honest with us, As a lot of people are afraid to be honest, a lot of people are like what the Bible talks about in the book of James, where it says a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. It says he's like a guy that goes and looks in the mirror, and then he turns around, and he forgets what he looks like. And we're like, man, I don't even remember what I look like, because I don't want to remember. I was faced with myself, but I don't want to be faced with myself. It's so huge that you and I humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and that we say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you, and I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, reveal to me things in my heart and motives in me. Help me to take an honest look in the mirror because I need to evaluate and grow. I need to realize my need for growth. I want to realize my need for you and my dependence upon you so that your goodness and your grace and your mercy are influencing my heart and that I'm wanting you because I'm realizing my need for you. When I do that, things begin to change, folks. Things begin to change we're walking around prideful always blaming everyone else always making excuses and we don't take an honest look in the mirror and we don't evaluate and we don't correct based on what the holy spirit's leading us to and what the word of god challenges us with then we're going to be like that man that looks in the mirror just turns away but let me tell you we also need that accountability in relationships to help us do those things as well and god will put people in your life that say things that you don't like <laughs> God will put people in your life and relationships in your life to help sharpen you and grow you as a disciple that will say things that you don't like. If you're always hanging around people who are always patting you on the back and telling you how awesome you are, you need to get some new friends. Because none of us are that awesome, okay? I don't know maybe a few of you, I don't know, maybe a few, I don't know. But let's be honest here. We all need to grow and if and how deep and how good and how much love would a person that had a relationship with us to come to us in all honesty and come into us in a spirit of love and tell us something that we didn't like, but yet if we listen to it, it's for our benefit if we have a teachable spirit that will evaluate and correct based on what the Lord's leading us to do. How valuable a relationship is that? How much would someone love you? How how great would that speak of their love for you if you had that in your life where someone would say, hey, I want to help you. I began noticing this pattern in your life. And you don't like it when they say that. I've had people say things to me in life, Woo, man, I'm like the nerf. But then when I reel back and I think about it, I go, you know what? I begin to evaluate. They're they're not against me. They're trying to help me. And I need to take what they're saying seriously. I need to listen because that could be God using them to help me grow. Amen, somebody. So that's what loving people looks like, that we grow in those things. And all those things happen in the context of relationships. And then serve the world. What does serve the world looks like? I mean, what, what does that look like to serve, truly to serve the world? Because it's a natural ebb and flow from loving people. You're going to have this heart to serve and to invest and, and, and to give. <clears throat> so here's what that looks like. This is where we recognize it's not about us. This is where our heart for people spills over. And our desires to display the love of God to others, regardless of what personal benefit we may receive, begins to shine. This includes reaching out with no strings attached. This is where we're willing to spend and be spent for the souls of men. And this is where a disciple learns to give of themselves with no strings attached. I'm not looking for what I can get out of the deal. I'm going, okay, God, not my will, but your will will not my way but your ways God I'm submitted to the way you want me to live that's where we really begin to understand Romans 12 and 1 where the Apostle Paul says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable he said that this is actually your reasonable act of service your reasonable act of worship it just makes sense for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice for us to give of ourselves for the cause of Christ Because it's something in my heart, not something that I'm trying harder to do. It's something that's a natural ebb and flow of growing as a disciple, being that fully devoted follower of Christ who is growing in my love for God. And it spills over into my love for people. And then I just begin to flow into understanding and growing and being challenged to serve and to reach out with no strings attached. A disciple also experiences the joys of giving all around because the Bible says more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is where a disciple learns to invest intentionally in the local church and in relationships, both with believers and unbelievers, where we begin to invest intentionally with believers and unbelievers. Amen. You know, I've always found it easy to invest in relationships with believers because I'm a pastor and I'm surrounded by church people all the time. You guys are great, and I love you, and we have a lot of fun together, and, and, and I love talking to you, and, and I love building a relationship with you and getting to know you. But then I began to think, I began to get challenged a couple years ago, and I began to think, what am I doing to build relationship with unbelievers with no strings attached? Am I doing that? Am I showing the love of Christ outside of my comfort zone, which you guys are my comfort zone, by the way, I'm hugging you right now, okay? So I began to think, what am I doing? what am I doing? I began to think, wow. And then the Lord just began to open up opportunities for me. And one of the primary ways that He began to do this a couple years ago was when I started going to the gym back in May, of two years ago. And I began to be consistent with it. And people began to see me there and they began to know me there, you know. And they knew I always came and worked at a certain time. And then when the new guy would show up and take over my machine or the thing I wanted to go, I was like, ooh, you know. And uh, (coughs) You know, and I'm like, oh, come on, you know, let's go, buddy. Don't you know I come here at this time? But, anyways, uh, I began to get to know people. And then people come up to me and they do this. They say, hey, you know, I've been noticing that, you know, you've been here for pretty consistent for about the past three months, because it takes guys about three months before they'll come up and talk to each other most of the time. And, um, you know, they get to know me a little bit. And then finally, they pop the question, you know, I work at, I work at Rockline or I work at Bemis or Kohler. Where do you work? What do you do for a living? Well, um, I'm a motivational speaker. How about that No, no, no. That's a bad joke. I'm not ashamed of what I do. I never do that. That's just me being goofy. I say, I say to my pastor at Word of Grace, and they go, oh, hey, uh, hey, man, um, hmm, yeah, so, uh, you know, what I've been saying the past three months when I've been talking to you and saying hello, and I'll uh, yo, hey, man, you know, just kind of, just kind of, you know, look over I'm not, look. And I stop them in their tracks, and I'll tell these guys, and say, listen, if I haven't had a problem with you over the past three months when you and I have been conversing and talking, building relationships, why would that change now that you know what I do for a living? Why would that change now? I said, let's make an agreement here, all right? I said, I like you. You're my friend. I said, why don't you be you, and I'll be me, and we'll both just grow and walk and do life together? Oh, oh, okay. They were expecting me to smack them with a Bible, you know, because I keep a Bible in my gym shorts because pastors always have Bibles with them. And I just randomly pull out or a crucifix, you know. You know. I, they really didn't understand that that pre-workout I had in a bottle was actually holy water. And I was trying to, you know, I mean, that's goofy stuff. And that's not at all, that they have this idea. And then when, they, when I tell them that, they're like, whoa, it's like this pastor is accepting me for who I am right here. I'm like, yeah, because that's how Jesus accepted you and me. And then I'll tell you what it does. Those guys, they begin to go, you know, they begin to be, begin to come to me occasionally. I'll have some of my workout buddies that um, they're either not believers or they're not very strong believers. They'll come up to me. and They'll go, Hey, uh, I had a guy come up to me probably about six, seven months ago. He said, Hey, uh, hey Derek, um, my uh, my sister-in-law has just been diagnosed with cancer. Would you mind praying? I say, Yeah you want to pray right here? <laughs> I mean, it's cool with me, you know, I, I guess, if that's what you want to do. I just put my arm around them, just pray for them. And those guys, man, you just create a bond with those guys in the gym, and you see them over and over again. And then these guys begin to little by little come, and you begin to show them the light and the love of Jesus. That's relational discipleship. It may take a little longer with some of those guys. But then some of those guys will say, hey, you want to go out to uh, lunch or something? You want to go hang out? I've even had some of them come over to the house and just say, hey, you want to come over to the house? Just as I build that relationship with them, just showing them the love of Jesus. No strings attached. I just want to show you the love of Christ. And I want you to respond to it at some point in your life. But at least I'm investing. At least I understand that I'm investing. And, and, and I've never really done that before as a Christian. Because I've always been surrounded by church folks, you know. But I thought, man... Having a relationship with believers and unbelievers as well. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just go hang out in the synagogue all day and say, Hey, everybody, I'll be here at three if you want a miracle. (laughs) Jesus went to where they were more times than not. There were a few times he was in the temple, but more times than not, it was Jesus was just walking from here to there. And here comes a guy, demon possessed, and Jesus just stops in his tracks. Jesus was on his way from here to there. And there was a blind guy that starts hollering out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus was walking from here to there. And there was a guy that was full of leprosy that walked up. And Jesus actually reached out and touched him, which was a big no-no. And said, yeah, I'm going to make you clean. It was just in the everyday comings and goings of life, just as much as it was in church. Amen somebody. So we need to understand that's what it looks like to... Love God, love people, and serve the world. And that's what a disciple is, someone who's growing in those things. So understand this, that we believe discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. And we see that all the time. We see that all throughout Scripture, that discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. And so that's why we here at Word of Grace believe that church is not somewhere we go, but it's who we are. We believe that we are the body of Christ every day when we wake up, when we go to bed, and when we show up on the weekends here. And we want to structure what we do as a church, and we want to structure our values around that so it becomes more than just what we say, but it becomes a practice that we actually do. Just like in the second chapter of Acts, in the 42nd verse, when it begins to talk about the disciples in the first church that were gathering together, and they were going from house to house, they were breaking bread, and they were having fellowship with one another. Just like we're going to do on Friday when we just completely take over the Bears house with like 500 people, it's going to be awesome. So I want you to show up, and I want you to bring like 10 people with you. It's going to be great, you know. So anyways, but I love that. I love that heart. I love that heart just saying, you know, just, we're, we're just going to all just go hang out and have a bonfire. Let kids play us. Just get to know each other, build relationship, because that's where discipleship is going to happen best is when we structure around that value. And we say, okay, are we building relationships? Are we investing? Are we structuring things and opportunities in a way as a church family to where those things can happen? And so we want to do that. We want to make that a value and make that a priority because we are a church family. We are a church family. We sharpen one another. We enjoy one another. We learn how to deal with conflict. We learn how to walk in forgiveness. We learn that we're different personalities and we're not going to allow division to be sown amongst us. We're going to keep everything above boards. One of the things that really gripped my heart, a story that was told to me by one of our staff pastors, Pastor Keith, his brother David is uh, he's, he's a great guy, younger brother, and uh, he has a heart for Africa. And David's been to Africa, I think, two or three times. And David went over to Africa one time, and uh, it's stereotypical Africa, you know, that we, what you would have in your mind. It's, you know, the, the, the stick and mud huts is, are where the churches are, you know, very, you know, primal in our Americanized culture view. And here's these people having this church out in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And here's David, and he's with this group of people. And then after the church service was over, there was about 50 people that stayed behind, and they were all staying in the, in, in, in the church building. And David went to the translator, and he said, what are those guys doing? Why are they staying behind? The church is over, right? He said, oh, they're over there handling their business. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, unity is so important in the church that if there's ever conflict or offense... They stay behind and make sure that those that have issue with one another work it out with one another and find forgiveness because unity is so important and they don't want the enemy to come in and bring division and so division and discord and gossip and murmuring and complaining and negativity. They want to handle their business before they actually leave the building. That's how important unity is. I'm going, wow, what if we as a church begin to take on that same heart and that same mindset? where we wouldn't allow ourselves to leave this place until we had come to unity with our brothers and sisters, where we didn't allow offense to set in our hearts and we didn't allow pride and negativity and bitterness To set root in our heart. But we were so concerned with unity because we knew that if we're going to love God, love people and serve the world and be effective at it, if we're going to be effective disciple makers, that it's going to take church, a church that is of one heart, one mind and one voice and a church that is in unity with one another and that we're not going to allow the enemy to come in and sow seeds of division and negativity and hurt and offense. That's powerful stuff. Because there's power in unity. And that, see, discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. So if there can be division sown in relationships, then the enemy knows there can be no discipleship. If we're not being real, if we're not being honest, if we're not being transparent, if we're not making the first step instead of waiting for everyone to come to us, that's how important unity is. That's why I taught a whole message a couple of weeks on how to deal with offense. Because it's not if you get offended, it's when. Because conflict is going to come. When you throw two different people into a room who have different personalities and different ideas, it's going to be conflict. It's how do we handle it according to God's way. Because unity is so important to the body of Christ. So we need to understand that because we are a family. So here's what we're going to do. We structure what we do at Word of Grace around this calling because we understand it's a value that we must show. Not just something that we say. You can make the letters as big as you want to on that wall. And you can, you know, put hot pink, you know, all around them. Make them stand out. Wouldn't that be pretty? Wow, love God, love people, serve the world. Put it on a t-shirt, tattoo it on our face. Backwards, So when you look in the mirror, you'll be reminded. huh. And it won't change anything if it's not a part of our action. It's not a part of our value. And so I think the best way for us as a church family to begin to show this value is for us to begin to align to this vision that God has called us to, that Jesus has spoken by us structuring around those values. And so one of the ways we're going to do that is community groups. Community groups, I talked about those last week. Those are going to launch. The first week of September. And that's what we're going to do. Community groups are going to be a weekly gathering. Where host leaders homes are going to be uh, open and available. And we're going to go through a weekend message Bible study together. We're going to eat meals together. We're going to do community service projects together. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to grow in caring for one another. We're going to grow in why we believe what we believe together. And I believe that this is going to be so important to our church. The weekends are still going to be there. We're still going to have weekend service. But these groups are going to be such a great way and such an intentional, focused way for us to grow as disciples and grow in relationship Together, So all that's coming, so I ask you to be in prayer for all of those things because it's going to be great. It's going to just completely just, just impact the dynamic of our church in such a great way. And if you want to kind of get a heads up of what some of that would look like, you can start watching those elements videos on our website because we're going to utilize those in the beginning and, and as, as a part of us taking the sermon a little deeper and further and building relationship and growing as disciples together. Now, weekends at Word of Grace are another tool That we're going to use as part of our structure to teach the Word, to facilitate relationships, and to create an atmosphere of a family that gathers together and celebrates together. Now, the weekend services here at Word of Grace, Saturday and Sunday, the primary goal is to create an atmosphere of teaching God's Word, worshiping together, prayer, and fellowship. Okay, so we've got a lot of different tools that God has given us. We have the weekend services. We have community groups. We have other ministries. We have other things that go on here. Word of Grace, understand something. All of these are simply tools to accomplish the purpose. We don't worship ministries. We worship the Creator who gave us the purpose. Amen? Amen. We need to understand something. No tool is ever the purpose or the goal. The weekends are not the purpose or the goal. Community groups are not the purpose or the goal. Kids on the move, 180. All the different things that we have here at Word of Grace, they're not the purpose or the goal. They're simply a tool to accomplish the purpose or the goal. It's an avenue that God has given us to press towards the goal, towards the purpose. And no tool is more important than the other. Because they're all working together to accomplish the goal of growing disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. That means that we never worship a ministry or a method. We worship God. Amen? Amen. And that means that ministries and methods may change. That may mean that, hey, community groups is is what God has put in our heart. And we believe that those things are God-directed. We believe that they're spirit-led. But those things may be for a time or a season. We don't know. We're just trying to follow what the Lord has for us as a church family and how we can structure around the value of what Jesus said in Matthew 28. To go into all the world and make disciples. And this is not the answer. But I believe it's a part of the answer. I believe it's a very large part of the answer. And I want this to be such a huge focus in our church. For us to have that community together. For us to fellowship together. Grow. Make disciples together in the context of relationship. I believe that's getting together and fellowshipping together like we're going to do this next Friday out at the Bears House. I think that's going to be a great way to do that as well. I think the weekends are another great way to do that as well. There are going to be other ideas and other structures that come up that are going to be based on growing disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. And that's what God is calling us to do. So don't ever get married to an idea of a ministry or a method or a structure. Get focused and passionate about making disciples and understand that those things may change. And when those things change, that we don't get offended or upset over those things. Because sometimes when those structures or those ministries begin to change, people get their arms crossed because that was their pet ministry. And, I'm upset because we're not doing this or doing that. Well, that was a tool, and it was for a season. And those things change. We have to do what we believe God is telling us to do now. And we're not going to worship a ministry or a method. Amen, somebody? We need to understand this is what God is calling us to do, to focus on loving God, loving people, and serving the world. So part of that structure is weak weekends part of the structures community groups another part of that structure is volunteering because that helps us to understand serving the world as well volunteering within the structure in any capacity of the family of word of grace is part of us accomplishing our goal to have a heart to serve helping paint helping do outreach teach children run a kiosk all those things are ways of serving and we do all those things from our hearts with no strings attached We're not in it for what I get out of it. I'm in it because I have a heart to serve, because I'm growing in loving God and loving people and serving the world. There are other ways within our structure that we grow as disciples, and no one is greater than the other. All these things work together to help the body of Christ to grow. All these things. And also we believe in investing in the next generation. We believe in in, in helping the next generation to grow as disciples as well. So yeah, that's why we have kids on the move. That's why we have 180. That's why we put emphasis on those things. Because we don't want to be said of us like was said of the generation of of Joshua. In scripture, when Joshua and all of his fathers were laid to rest, the Bible says that there arose a generation after them that did not know the Lord nor the things of the Lord. So you better believe we're going to invest in kids and teenagers. Amen? Because we believe in the next generation. We believe that that next generation is going to carry on and even, even exceed the things that God has accomplished through us as a church family. We want to invest in that. And yeah, that's important to us. So understand, all these things are structured around making disciples. Investing in us here and investing in the next generation as well. That's what he's called us to do. To grow as disciples and to make disciples. And for us to get in unity around that. So next week I'm going to start a new series That's going to help us all grow as disciples and being able to contend with the pressures of this world and in our culture so we can understand why we believe what we believe. You don't want to miss one of those weekends because this is going to be a great series that's going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's going to equip us to be able to stand for what we believe in and know why we believe what we believe so I want to encourage you to do that. It's part of growing as a disciple. Part of growing as a disciple is going to be us understanding why I believe what I believe and being able to stand firm on the truth of God and being confident because I know it, not just because somebody else said it. So I want to encourage you to be in prayer as we move forward as a church. Be in prayer as we move forward as a family of God that is growing and loving God, loving people and serving the world. This wraps up our series on simple church and, you know, those are two words when we started the series. We said, don't really go together sometimes. Simple and church. Sometimes church becomes a very complicated thing, but I hope that through the word of God over these past six weeks that you have begun to grow and understand. You know, it really is pretty simple if we will really focus on what Jesus said is important. When I get in the way and what I think is important gets in the way and my selfishness gets in the way, that's when things get complicated. When we try to serve man instead of serve Jesus, When we try to serve Jesus, it really gets simple. Jesus wants it to be simple so you and I can understand what's important. Jesus didn't give us some complicated formula to dissect. He just said, go into all the world, make disciples. That's what I spoke 2,000 years ago. That's what I'm actively speaking to you today. And that's what I want us as a church family to just grab a hold of. Not the words of Derek Armstrong, the words of Jesus. Derek, the, Derek Armstrong says some goofy things sometimes. <laughs> but Jesus always speaks truth, and it pierces through generation after generation. And those words are still piercing the hearts of men and women today who will rise up to the challenge and the call and the commission of making disciples. And Word of Grace is answering that call. And we're going to show that we're answering that call by structuring what we value and what we do here as a church family around what Jesus said. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.